0: Well the, the first name you're not gonna fuck up. Vinny Noah. that's Cousin easy. Vinny. Yeah, that's not gonna be a problem. <laughs> uh Barra.
1: Barara. Barara. <laughs> yeah. Hello everybody. I am Jason Trost, the host of the Business of Betting podcast. I am joined today by Vinny Barara. Did I get that right? Barara. You did get it, right? Barara. Nice job. Nice job. <clears throat> Who is the co-founder and CEO of Mojo super excited to talk to him. It's created a lot of buzz in the United States. Before we get off to that, I have to say, I'm a huge, huge fan of your brother. I I imagine a lot of people are a huge fan of your brother. For those of you listening that don't know or recognize the way I I butchered their last name, his brother's Preet, who is the attorney general district attorney of the Southern district. How do you, how, what's his, what was his exact title?
0: Yeah, he was the former U.S. attorney for the Southern District US. of New York, which they he call you know like the sovereign power, is what he would say, which is billions was, or is I think still based in part on that figure, you know the the, the, the U.S. attorney.
1: And I think about your brother every time I watch that show. And I went to a him and I think your brother had just released a book and doing justice. I went. Yes, and I went to a chat with him and Jeffrey Tubert in L.A., and I, he talked about his brother who founded Diapers.com, and he was so proud of you. I could tell he was just he was just really chuffed, and and I thought that was so nice to see. So, very big fan of your brother. He was so, he sort of reminds me of West Wing. When you watch West Wing, you're like, God, I wish people like smart who gave a shit about the country, the rule of law, like balance of power, all that kind of stuff, were actually running the country. And your brother's an example of somebody who's like who has all those sort of Aaron Sorkin West Wing qualities in a public servant. So, a very hats off to him. Yeah, great. Thanks. I'll tell him. I'll tell him you said that. So, how did one brother become a leading attorney general? God, why do I? I'm very political. I don't know why I keep calling him attorney general, district attorney. How did one brother become a very famous district attorney, and the other brother became a very famous entrepreneur? Like you, it, it seems they're both. You're both very good in your fields, but but ones very they're very different from each other.
0: Yeah. So he's a U.S. attorney. To your point, a lot of people, you're not alone in getting the exact title U.S. Wrong. attorney.
1: U.S. I attorney. Know that's this. Very I common.
0: Very common mistake. That is not something to be embarrassed about. Very common. In fact, even the attorney general thing. So that is just it happens all the time. Um, yeah. No, it's a good question. The we grew up. In a small um, town in New Jersey called the Ranny School, very small school, both of us, thirty-five kids per class. We actually started our career similarly as I went to law school actually when I went out, when I graduated college. And so he, of course, he is became a, a leading lawyer in the country. But I did start my career as an attorney. It turns out that along the way, because I'm old now, but this is back in the nineties, another all of us were friends, and he was three years older than us, but another one of our very close friends from high school, who's also become fairly well-known, his name is Mark Laurie. He was my best friend and, you know, I actually didn't love the exact type of law I was practicing. And so in the late nineties, we decided to, along with another friend of ours from high school, Lax Chandra to start a company online in the internet. It was the sort of beginning of the internet. And that is actually a preface, a precursor to the current business we have now. And so that's when I got started. And ever since then, I've been an entrepreneur.
1: Awesome. And then, so you founded diapers.com. I think that was your big success story. Is is that correct? Yeah. So we started
0: with a company called the pit, which again, which was a sports stock market and trading cards, which we can at some point talk about then. And we sold that to tops, the tops company, the, the the trading card manufacturer. This was in 2001. And then after I got married in 2004, 2005, 2006 is when we, launched diapers.com, Mark and myself, and then we sold that to Amazon. And then actually funny thing, Mark went on to do another commerce company called jet that he sold to Walmart. I actually went up doing media, including a venture, one of the ventures with my brother who we just talked about when we call, we created something called cafe and that company, my brother and I sold to Vox media where he still works part, part of his time today.
1: And that was trying to monetize podcasts, I I believe, right?
0: Yeah, it was, you know, we had a lot of different things we were trying to do before we even got into the business model. The idea was we thought we could create, you know, the best informative podcast around the law and news. And and to your point about Preet earlier, I think he's, he had never done that before. But I, I, many of us, including myself, thought he was extremely talented as a communicator with a sense of humor and very clear. And and a great, uh, you know, great uh, voice for radio, face for radio too. And, and so, yeah, that's, that's, that was the, that was the mission. And then we wound up in terms of monetization. There was ad reads, but we also, one of the first companies, I think that created a subscription for podcasts, which was very successful. And so we had the recurring revenue. And, and like I said, a couple of years ago, we sold that to Vox.
1: So, so as a successful exited entrepreneur, I guess, multiple exited entrepreneur, what led you to, to want to take another bite of the apple? Do you think you're addicted to startups and, and that's the only place you can. Be gainfully employed, or do you see a niche in the market? Like what kind of entrepreneur are you?
0: It's a good question. And I don't know if I have the perfect answer to it. I think it's been a long time now that I've been doing it. And I feel like I've learned a lot and I feel like I enjoy it. It's painful. I think you've had been an entrepreneur yourself and so. I wouldn't have it any other way like there's more excitement that you know the ups and downs of it while painful are also invigorating and so having done it so many times over and the challenges and and the ups and downs but then the sort of victories that you can get and creating something from nothing the bonds that you create with your early employees but i think it, it, i liked it a lot more than my previous uh, you know when i got when i was a lawyer my previous profession But maybe there's other things I could do as well. I just, it it is kind of what I guess I've been doing for 25 years now. But when I reflect on it, I, I do think it's probably, despite all the sort of struggles of it that we all go through, I don't think I would, I would trade it for anything.
1: Yeah. So, so pivoting to Mojo, why don't you, why don't you introduce Mojo to the audience?
0: Sure. So Mojo is a, we call it a sports stock market and I think one way of doing this is to kind of go back to this company I described a little earlier 20 years ago like the origin of where it came from so as I mentioned you know after graduating law school as a lawyer my good friend Mark Laurie and I and another good friend were big sports fans we've always been huge sports fans to this day and also um have finance backgrounds especially Mark and so we thought it would be pretty cool to create a sports stock market we were calling it where the everyday sports fan could basically invest in athletes like stocks. This was some some versions of this have been tried since, but I think we were probably the first ones. because This was about 1998, 1999. And very simple idea was like where E-Trade meets ESPN. This was before Robinhood and all of this, but the internet was taking off and it was in early days. And so we went to our lawyers and asked and told them about the idea and how we wanted to execute it. They said, that sounds like if you do it the way you want, sounds a little bit like illegal gambling. And so we recommend you not do this. And so we created the next best thing we thought, which was the sports card stock market, where we use trading cards as a proxy for the athlete. And one of the things that we wanted to do was make sure that the customer always had this liquidity, that they would always be able to buy and sell at all times, and that the performance of whatever they were buying was consistent with the athlete's performance on the field. So anyway we built this whole thing and it was very successful and we sold it to tops i think as i described earlier and fast forward 20 years to 2020 i believe and mark and i are still the best of friends and you know we've been doing all these businesses and had some success and he calls me and he says you know vin that idea we had 20 years ago that sports stock market i think it's the biggest idea we've ever had have you seen what's going on with the the emergence of legalization gambling legalization and Robinhood and coinbase i think we can do it again the right way not using trading cards but do it under the new regulatory gaming gambling framework it's going to require a lot of capital of course we're going to have to hire incredible people but we can do all of that and so he we got really excited about it he had become close with alex rodriguez the baseball player as they were trying to buy the mets at the time and he introduced me to alex myself he also there was another co-founder and there is another co-founder named Bart Stein. He's another incredible entrepreneur and he had bought that company while at Walmart because he was running he was the CEO of Walmart. So all four of us got together and we thought we would sort of resuscitate this idea of a sports stock market, a Robin Hood kind of experience where you could focusing on players initially, you could in, you know invest in them like stocks, but we were going to do it through the gaming laws. And this kind of emerged and evolved a little bit broader to say, Why don't we just create a whole new gaming, gambling framework where all of betting can become like a stock market. And the cornerstone of it would be not just the UX and and looking like Robinhood, but the backbone of the liquidity for the customer, we would be market makers. So we're not an exchange or anything. We would create the market and then guarantee to the customer that whatever odds they were getting, you know, live odds they were getting, there would always be a two way buy, sell price for them at uh, transparent, a fair market value and it would just basically like you're basically betting on a game or on an athlete or whatever It's just like it'd be stocks so i'll stop there that's how it got started we wound up raising a ton of capital and launching in new jersey but that's kind of the premise
1: so i used to trade stocks and i built an exchange and i've been around sports betting for a long time but even with somebody with my my background i'm not quite sure what that means to buy and sell the player. So maybe could you sort of unpack the, the, the mechanics of buying and selling and and what's the underlying contract that you're buying and selling? Yes.
0: Good, Good question. So the very first product we created, again, goes back to this idea of how do you like invest in an athlete, like a stock to your point. And our view was we wanted to make it totally objective. And so basically it's a futures bet on an athlete. And we created the longest future of all time, which was a, a futures bet into a player's career, using career statistics. So we would set a, we set a line, and it's a, a, accumulated accumulated stats, not exactly fantasy, but but doing something that was like similar to that. So you had a holistic view of an athlete. So it combines, for example, in football, you know, quarterback touchdowns and receptions and yardage into this one stat. We set a line on that, like an over/under of what he's going to achieve at the end of his career. It's cumulative stat. And then because it's so far out, you know, you can go long or you could go short that. You could take the over, you could take the under. But what's very important, of course, is that the liquidity that you can get in and out at all times. So you're not going to want to wait until the end of that futures bet, until the end of someone's career to exit. So the essence of it is there's always a two way price. So that let's say, for example, you know, the price on Jalen Hurts last year before the season started, he was a little bit uncertain, quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Might have been like 30, I don't recall exactly, but then that's like a projection. That's like the the line, the latest line of where he's gonna end his career. As he's playing better than expected, the line is moving. So that 30 wound up going to 40, 50, 60, 70. And the customer who had bought at 30 can sell, you know, at that new price. So you can that's the key is this idea of the cash out liquidity where you can both buy and sell and then track your value. So you know, if you had bought. Jalen Hurts at 30, and then all of a sudden he's at 60, you're up 2x. You can instantly sell, you can buy other states, you have a portfolio. And so we started with this like long futures bet. But then what we started to do is because we had all of the infrastructure to do it, and we're the ones making the market, You know, we're, we no one's was going to make that market except for us, but we had to build all these statistical models and algorithms. A lot of risk we're taking. And we were now being able to forecast, not just his career, but all the derivatives of the career, the season, the game, a month and so we just started to create different future bets going all the way down to the game itself and individual stats and every one of those future bets trades like a stock in the sense that there's a line it's moving in real time and it's the latest projection of what that player is going to do there's an over and under but the key is that there's a fair market exit price for you that's very similar that's sort of the bid ask spread we don't call it that in our market and it's very very tight and so now, you know, in the first quarter and you're taking over 200 yards passing, there's a line. But then you can immediately, if he gets off to a great start, that value of that position gets up. You can sell at the same price that you, someone else is buying at. And it just works and trades like a stock, if that makes sense.
1: So to unpack that a little bit more, so you said he started at 30, he was healthier, he went to 70. 30 what? what what's the was 30? Saying, yes.
0: in the, our career futures bet is very unique in the sense that we came up with a statistic. And in that example, it is, I believe, it's a, it's a, it's a cumulative statistic of his reception, uh, I'm sorry, touchdowns, yardage. Basically, it's like a fantasy stat. It's like fantasy points. But his first career, it's a cumulative stat. And so in that example, when you buy Jalen Hurts, you're buying actually like the price is 30. And so you get one share at 30 bucks as an example. And then, you know, he wound up going to 40, 50, 60. What that was, when that was going up, that was his stat. His projected stat was going up, but that directly translated into the share price that you had bought him at.
1: So his stat, so it's like a combination of like how many touchdowns he threw versus minus fumbles, Minus you know, is it like that? And then that equals 30? That was the projection of what we
0: we had come up with because it was is basically sense and we converted it to a stat. So yeah, it's it's a fantasy stat, convert it to a dollar price. A very intuitive formula that you see. But in essence, the intuition for the customer is just, you know, looking at, it's the latest expectation of where the athlete's gonna finish his career and then kind of going long or going short. And then of course, you know, he's outperforming his projections. The price goes up, the price goes down because basically the projected performance is changing. If that makes sense.
1: Based on this arbitrary metric that you came up with to approximate his performance.
0: Yeah. Like you came up with
1: some formula.
0: Yeah. That was what we did for the career because we wanted to have this kind of holy grail identifier to represent the true excellence of a player. You know, we wanted it to be broad enough that it wasn't just one stat. So we had all of our quantitative folks like backtesting it over time and saying, what is, and it's a good question you're asking because it's the career bet now actually in our market is actually a smaller piece of what people are betting on. But at the outset, the idea was, man, if you wanted to truly invest in the career of an athlete, you want the stat to be reflective of his true excellence, not just one number. So we came up with six or seven stats combined. And then we back tested historically, like all the players, like all the quarterbacks and ranked them as to where they ended their career and said, oh, this makes sense. Like this is, you know, who's number one? Of course, Tom Brady, who's, who's, you know, you had all the other guys, Peyton Manning second and all this. And so that's kind of how we did that career futures bet. When we started to introduce shorter future bets, it became much more traditional like sports betting where, hey, you know what? You're just going to basically take yards in the game. Very simple, right? 200 yards in the game. We set a probability on it, you know, as to what that, what the odds are. We don't use American odds. You can see the American odds on it, but we use a zero you know, at $1. You basically, you know, make your, you win hundred percent of your bet at zero. You lose everything. And in between the thing is trading during the game. So it's a little bit different with the career futures bet and everything else, but that was the idea.
1: I'm, I'm really, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to market microstructure and, and forgive me for going deep on this because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still not sort of, I still kind of want to get into the details because every time, you know, I've read about your company and I, I looked for this information on, on, on the internet and, you know, forgive me if it's out there. Uh, I, I, I couldn't find it, but like what, what I'm still, what's still not, what I still don't under, understand it from end to end, like what you're buying and selling. So Basically, if I, to summarize where we are right now, you have come up with an arbitrary stat that you think approximates the goodness of their career. Yes. You know, you have a formula that says one, two, three equals this number. And then that's your, your points or the career. Yeah. Right. I'm it's understanding like that correctly. Cool.
0: Right. It's like a touchdown is one, is one cent. Every yard is 0.1 cent. Yes. But we published that okay. formula. For you. That's how it starts. And there. that,
1: Yes. And that formula is public
0: public. Oh yeah. A hundred percent
1: that formula. So up until this point, he's done so many yards, so many touchdowns and that equates to 30, you know, at that one, no, point so out.
0: so it's a good question. Every player. So that now, so what we're talking about now is if a, if a player, he's kind of like in the middle of his career, right? So Jalen hurts was a young player, but he'd already accumulated. Some stats prior to that. So when a rookie comes out that hasn't that he's zero, right? He ha- meaning he has zero accumulated, but. What we're doing is in terms of equating it to sports gambling is we're basically saying is we think in his career, as opposed to an individual game, we think that he's going to accumulate this many total points and the points converts to dollars, right? That's a very simple thing. So we're setting a future. it's a line, it's a projection, but the career is the longest futures bet of all time. Right? And so that's all that is, is that prior to last year the a lot of uncertainty around Jalen Hurts. And so we were looking at and we're like, oh, you know, we were doing our calculations in terms of, you know, how many touchdowns and yards and stuff and and using the formula that we publish and putting out a projection of where he was going to end his career. But that projection during the career is changing at all times because he's playing. And so now I have to check the latest. I think it's like up three x, like going into this year, the latest projection for his career. I should check it. It's probably like over seventy or something
1: like this. And so, what's he at? What's he at currently? What's his like? Oh yeah, then you can look. Yeah, then
0: you can look at his actual how much he's actually accumulated. And I have to look at that. He probably is up around fifteen or something. That's how much he's accumulated. It's kind of like put it like this. Like let's say just take that exact example and make it like a game. The game's going on. The guy's projected for two hundred and seventy yards is the line. Like before the game starts. Now you're in the first quarter, okay? He, let's say he's thrown for 70 yards. That would be how much he's accumulated. But, of course, the bookmaker is changing the line. So now the 270 that it started with might be 290 or 250 or 300. And that's all that's happening. And the, and the user can enter anew, can always enter the new bet, like in the first quarter or in the second quarter. But if you have a pre existing position, you know, because you got in at a favorable or unfavorable, you can get out. So we're basically always trying to give you the latest probability odds of what this event is going to be. And you can buy or sell at any given point in time. And that's how the market works.
1: So in the bookmaker example, you're, you're, it's basically a binary option. So if the line is 270, like you said, like they either hit 270 or you don't. Like it's, it's, it's a zero-sum game. But it sounds like what you're describing to me is not a zero-sum game.
0: Because like, you're, you're, you're really smart and you're seeing the difference in the career futures bet. That's a very specific product and these other futures bets. In the traditional sort of shorter term duration bets, we are making them binary.
1: So it's not a binary option. What, is it a contract for difference?
0: Yeah, it's not a binary bet because what you, oh, we will pay you at the end of his career. So if you held this contract, basically this bet until the end of the career, is a guaranteed payment where we say to you, hey, we will pay you this amount per touchdown, per reception, and all this, you get, that's your contract. So you buy it at a certain price. And at the end of the career, when the bet settles, we tell you, this is what we'll pay you and it's a formula based on statistical achievements. Right. And so it's not binary to your points. So you could make. So for example, Tom Brady, we projected that he would have IPO'd. Of course we weren't in existence at the time, but we think because if he was, you know, sixth round pick or whatever from Michigan, he would have debuted at like $3, right? A very small projection of what we thought, you know, he was going to end his career with, he wound up finishing his career, I think at like 180. So you, if you had bought at three and held till the end of his career, you would have made 60X. And along the way, right, there would have been a new projection, three to 50 to 30 to 80 to whatever. And you could always cash out. You don't need to hold it till the end. So that you are exactly right. That was not, that is not binary. That is continuous, we call it.
1: And what's your business model? Do you have a transaction fee or do you just wanna make the bid offer spread?
0: Yeah, so 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 technically, again, you it's good that you're asking the questions. We don't have a bid offer spread. We try to simplify it for the user so they don't see these two prices. So we charge a commission. In essence, it's a 5%, I believe 5% entrance fee. So if, when you're entering into your position, we take 5%, we take a commission. And actually when you sell, there's no spread difference. So you can sell at the same price that you can buy. So we try to make it a little simpler. So customers, you know, like who don't aren't accustomed to bid ask spreads and all this are basically there's just one price they see.
1: So if I if I buy a hundred bucks, you're taking five bucks.
0: Right. At the at the outset, you get a certain amount at of 10%. shares. Right? As as like so, so let's say the share price is ten bucks. You would you put in a hundred bucks, we take five percent out. So gets deployed and buys the share price was 10, you'd get nine and a half shares. And now, now you're just following it. And when you wanna sell, there's no bid ask spread. You can sell at the same exact price that someone else is buying it at. Meaning if the price goes from 100 to one, I'm sorry, from 10 bucks to 15 bucks, you just sell at 15. We wanted to take out the complexity of a bid ask spread.
1: No, I appreciate that, but I mean, whether you're simplifying the market or not, you still have the market microstructure sort of, like I would say you still have a bid offer spread. There's just no, there's no difference between the bid and the offer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that would, thanks for going deep into that. You said that that was a, a, sm- a becoming a smaller part of your business. What's becoming a bigger part of your business?
0: Yeah, so, so what was interesting was that's what we launched with. And then what we were finding was that customers were, even though the, the, the futures bet was so long. We keep the market open during the game and during the game. So we just launched, by the way, we were not even 12 months old. We launched in New Jersey uh, in late September of last year, just in the NFL, just on this one career futures bet. And what was happening was that most of the actions on Sundays during the game and, you know, small movements and we had some juicers and stuff. And so it became quite clear that the more instant gratification, shorter term durations was going to be a little bit more popular. Less differentiated, I would say, in some sense, because no one, you can't find that career bet anywhere else. And so then we started to offer shorter term bets come January with the NBA. once we started launching NBA in February, we started launching bets during the game. Like just now the now it's just like you know player props, binary ones like you said, you know point totals, we have started doing team bets. those of those are also super volatile and and maybe even more familiar in some sense. Those have overtaken by an order of magnitude the volume on the market, like versus the career.
1: So, do you think, like, do you do traditional sports bets? Like, can you bet money line on so yes. and so? Yeah, and yeah, yes, okay. We
0: produce that. All of that's come in the last six months in baseball. Now we just added run lines and doing totals for the football season. We'll have all of it, and and that's a different. Like you said, we make those binary. But we, we structure it, you know, like a stock market, like kind of the UX.
1: And everything. and then, and and with your, with the sort of the more, I guess, traditional sports book stuff, do you have a bid and offer for that? Like a two sided quote that you can, you can buy, sell, buy, sell throughout the game.
0: Yeah. So we don't again call it effectively. It operates like a bid ask spread, but basically what we do is the cash out price. It's usually about two to four cents lower than the price that you can enter at. We don't say that we basically cuz it's all in share prices so for example if you get in it if the current price is 60 cents and that's what you're seeing usually when you want to cash out you know you can cash out at like 58 50. it depends on the on the game you're probably you know this is much more familiar probably in some sense again we're trying to always simplify and simplify and and, and just kind of give them that sense that like the way we explain it is that the cash out price is usually a couple cents lower than the price you're seeing that you can buy but we make it all transparent. I don't think you see that in a lot of sports books where it's very cloudy in terms of how they're coming up with your cash out price. You don't really know what's going on. At least I can barely tell. You don't know if it's fair or if it's not fair. And so it's not fair. Yeah, it's not fair. So we it's harder to tell you it's, that it's, right it's, now.
1: It's not fair. Yeah, it's
0: very, it's very transparent on us. You can see it and you can see exactly how the what the fair market value of your position is. And you can just kind of do the math. And it's, and it's all right there in front of you. And we think that that's very important.
1: So one of the things I like to ask founders is like, what's the why of your business? So I think you, you, you know, you kind of teed it up. You were a bunch of high school guys that were, were close buddies and, and you had this vision to kind of trade sports. Like, are you doing it because like, what's, what's the why? Is it like, ah, this would be cool. And I really want to put this. Do you think like customers are missing this? Do you think traditional sports betting is boring? What's your vision for what's missing in the world and, and why Mojo solves that?
0: Yeah, I think first and foremost, putting aside competition or anything else, the reason I'm in it, and I've done a lot of different companies, this is an entertainment company. First and foremost, we're here to provide entertainment and to provide, you know, like in, in, in the best way we can and to make life a little bit more fun. The reason I'm a sports fan is because I know how hard it is, <laughs> like, like my job's hard and whatever my, you know, when I had little kids, they were screaming around. So, you know, we're an entertainment company. So our job is to provide entertaining products to make people happy and you know give them a break from what can sometimes be complicated life so that's like a high level and that's what my last before doing this i was in media and that's what those companies were as well Preet's company when i did with Preet, was a little bit more about information but i had an entertainment media company as well And so that's the, the sort of north star of why we exist then when you look at the space and then just as an entrepreneur and you look at like why why do we exist like maybe there's already enough entertainment i do think that that what we're doing is a little more entertaining because now and you can see it in some of our numbers with the stickiness, especially when you're trading the game. It's so transparent, and it's the game. It's it's you can see the volatility of your position and be the flexibility of being able to get in and out at all times as the game's going on, and to have it all reconcile in a UX that's very intuitive. I think supercharges what it's already. I think a fun sports betting experience. Like I do think sports betting on DraftKings or Fanduel is fun. I used to do it, you know, I just think it is a little confusing for a lot of us. And I really, really like during the event, whether it's the career, the season or the game, I like to be able to sort of make calls and change my mind and then act on that in a way that's quick, easily processed. And so I think we bring that and I think it's very, very different than anyone, than anyone else.
1: So if we pivot onto the conversation, I'm uh, sorry, the, if we pivot to the, the uh, competition, do you think of yourselves in the same pool as sports betting? Are you in the sports betting industry? Or are you sports betting adjacent? Are you trying to move sort of traditional sports bettors over to a more innovative thing? Or are you trying to bring new people into uh, a new mechanism for sports?
0: Great question. I think it's all of it. I do think that there's no question that we're in the space, you know, regulated as a sports betting company. And so there's no denying that they are competitors. I think that at the same time, by offering what I think is the most differentiated experience, both because we have products that nobody else has, including that career futures bet, and then offering these other shorter term bets in very different formats makes it so differentiated that I hope that it brings in other users that may be intimidated by the complexity of, a sports book. I get how sports book, you know, I get all how the, how all the odds works and everything, but a lot of folks, especially younger folks don't. So yeah, I mean, the, the vision of course, is to both compete within the existing demo, but then of course, bring young people in or other folks that just feel like this is way more intuitive and again, more exciting.
1: I, I still find sports betting confusing. I've been in sports betting 15 years and you know, I, I literally have to get yeah. a calculator out. If if you bring out American odds, I'm just like, it. you know, it still looks like Greek to me. It's interesting you said you're all about entertainment. I I would say like I'm the I'm the opposite. I created my company for financial utility. I would say, by the way, just to kind of interject
0: and and, and elaborate even one other thing in terms of the competitive market, because we spent a lot of time on that career futures bet, and the premise. One of the reasons why we wanted to create it the way I was describing it earlier is having been in the trading card market for a, a long time. The flaw we saw there, you know, very similar. A lot of customers. We're like, oh, I'll take this rookie and I'll try to invest in his career because I think I can predict sports. And we were in it for so long, and we created that whole sports uh, card stock market. The flaw there was that there was it wasn't objective, so it wasn't based on statistics. And as a result, what you see still today is, and even in these NFTs, is you see folks that will pick an you know, buy a card or an NFT of an athlete, thinking this guy is going to do better. His performance on the field is going to you know, do better than what the public thinks. And they think the 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 asset's gonna appreciate, but it doesn't a lot of times because all these other factors are in the way. And what and so you see the NFT market crash 80%. The store the trading card market consistently booms and busts and you couldn't take the idea to the customer is you think you know sports. If you know sports, you're gonna win money if you predict right on the careers of an athlete. It doesn't work that way in the, in the trading card or NFT market, which we thought was the flaw. So we were saying, okay, let's put it into, let's make this more objective, put it on stats. By making it stats, it actually becomes, we think, I mean, it's all debatable, but we decided to, be, to go the regulatory route for a bunch of different reasons, to inspire confidence in the market, to ensure that, that there was reserves and all. And so that, that, there's a whole thing in here, which is in the long run, you could see a massive market. That is taking folks from the trading, the collectibles and the NFT market. They're not really betters; They are that kind of demographic that we could also play in. So we've just had to focus and priorities and stuff. And we started to see so much action on the game bets that we've really doubled down on that. But we are always intrigued. and, And there's a little bit of a romanticism on the career futures bet. And I think it does intrigue people a lot because there's just nothing else like it.
1: What's next for you guys?
0: Yeah, so just we're heads down on the football season as probably everybody else is. So it's adding a lot of selection, and the biggest thing we're doing is the 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 limitation we've had. You know, from an audience perspective, we've really been working with this pilot audience. We're just in New Jersey. It's extremely challenging, as you can imagine, to to try to market like that. It's only three percent of the population. So we are debuting. And I just got a a demo of it, a sports book meets fantasy version of our market that we will be introducing to about 50% of the population, about 20 states, I think, in the next few weeks, like we're hoping to submit. It's a new app, um, but it's taking our exact market and replicating it, but gamifying it. I can't get too much into it because my, my head of comms was said, don't get too much into it because <laughs> he wants to, you know, splash it out in a few weeks. But. Stay tuned for that, which we're very excited about. Cause it gives us availability, population availability that we haven't had. And so I, I want to see when I get a lot of people trying it across the country, do they
1: like this thing? Awesome. Before I let you go, what do you want to be when you grow up?
0: Yeah. So your producer mentioned this, I got you dicks. I was thinking like, what was I going to say to that?
1: And, and that's supposed it, to be a, a research question. It's supposed to be I your, know, your gut I know. emotional I response.
0: To, I didn't have time to think about it. What do I want to be when, when What's I grow up? It's the first up? thing
1: that came to mind.
0: I know, you know, it's weird and this doesn't make any sense because I'm already, I think, I hopefully I just, I think mostly about like my family, (laughs) like, you know, and I think about my kids who are uh, 18 and 16. So I think about like something about that. I don't even know what that means, but I think more like less professional and more like that, you know, when you go down at the end, you want to be like a good dad and all that stuff, but they're already, you know, hopefully I am already, I don't know. So it's, (laughs) I'm not sure how to, how to translate it, but I go less onto professional, for me at least, and more into like, what about outside of work? What do I want to be? You know, good Maybe dad is a
1: good you know? answer. There's no, there's no, there's no wrong answer. So I, I like that answer.
0: Can I ask you? I'm sure you've answered before. What do you want to be?
1: In second grade, I wrote that I wanted to be a professional baseball player or the president, and um, like I still like. I, I still kind of want to be a politician when I grow up that, that idea kind of sits in the back of my head. Um, we'll see if I get there. It's kind of, a it's such a blood sport getting into that and you have to drag your family through all that kind of stuff. But you know, maybe politician, maybe another entrepreneur, something like that.
0: If you did, I mean, it's your show. So I need to ask you questions, but like, so if you went. No, no, no. Oh, I'm just curious, yep. you know, I knew, I knew it was an entrepreneur, Andrew Yang was a friend of mine prior to him going into, you know, running for office. I always thought that that was really interesting. And you obviously an entrepreneur as well. If you went in to politics, would you be going in in one of the established parties, if I can ask? Or would you be kind of trying to navigate your own way? Or how would you think about
1: that? I haven't thought that much ahead. I mean, I, I do think the United States needs a, a viable third party. I think part of the degradation of our political you know, normalcy is because we have the, the binary options and it doesn't really teach people to think for themselves, but the way this thing's set up in America right now, it's like, I have a hard time seeing how, like you can have a, a viable third party, you know, but I, I would like to see a third party in, in America, but I haven't thought that far ahead.
0: Yeah. No, and that, that, that's Andrew. He did it right. He's got the forward party. Not sure how but he's doing, I know he's, he's, I think he's making some inroads, but I tend it's to- a good idea.
1: And and to your point about Andrew being an entrepreneur, I do think that we have way too many career politicians. And, you know, I'm much more of the maybe not become a farmer, like Thomas Jefferson kind of proposed, but I do think people should have multiple careers before they go into politics like and not be professional politicians.
0: It is funny uh, when they start young and end old.
1: You know, like Mitch McConnell, he's been in the Senate for three hundred years now. You know, like it's just—it's not good for anybody for these people or Ch- Chuck Grassley or Feinstein or you know, like these people. Just like it's—it's it's too long. It's too long. We'll see. We'll see. It's uh, I, I like I think about the effect that I have on my family a lot, and uh, that it might be enough to keep me out of it. But I love I love politics. I, I yeah, uh, I'm obsessed with it. That's great. Cool. Well, thanks very much for joining on the podcast. And and best of luck with Mojo. It sounds like you guys are off to something super interesting. Thanks so much, Jason. Okay, cheers.